Hello and welcome to the Good Fight Podcast. This is Brian Holm, and uh, normally Denver Ekman and I are here together doing the podcast, but it's just me today. We want to wish Denver well in his uh, finals at Southern Utah University, completing his first year there, his second year of college, and wishing him well in uh, all that that goes. So uh, I'm recording this on a Tuesday, and by Friday he will be done and headed back here to Southern California for the summer. So we want to wish him well for that. Well, this week's uh, topic is uh, something that's uh, that's kind of complicated, but it, I think it's very important to understand and it's also a valid concept. It's, it's the concept of the useful idiot. <laughs> so as strange as that may sound and as, uh, as, as derogatory as it might sound, and yes, it is a derogatory term, the, uh, the, the concept I think is important. And uh, the, the most important part of the title of this segment is how not to be one. So first of all, we need to be careful how we use the term. And we have to especially be uh, careful identifying individuals, especially those that are still living, uh, as that. So uh, I'm not going to today uh, describe any living individual as a useful idiot. Uh, You may draw some inferences uh, for that, but the the concept, once again, is, is important for us to look at. So right after the break, I'm going to start with a definition. We'll give you some historical and contemporary examples, as I said, generic for the contemporary examples. Then we'll talk about how we might uh, avoid actually being one of those ourselves. I'm also going to do my own lightning round. Uh, and gosh, any guesses? Anything that everybody's all a Twitter about this week? I don't know. Uh, then I'll tell you about a couple books that I'm reading and we'll wrap it up from there. So right after the break... We'll be right back. I'm back with the Good Fight podcast, talking about the concept of the useful idiot. As I mentioned, uh, it'd be a good idea for us to start with a definition. Wikipedia is, is good for some of this stuff, I think, just for one of a better place to look. But uh, part of their Wikipedia definition is, uh, in political jargon, a useful idiot is a derogatory term for a person perceived as helping promote a cause without fully comprehending the cause's true goals and who is cynically used by the cause's leaders. So once again... Useful idiot, a derogatory term for a person perceived as helping promote a cause without fully comprehending the cause's true goals, who is cynically used by the cause's leaders. So this term, I've heard it attributed to Vladimir Lenin, uh, but that, uh, according to Wikipedia and and anything else I've looked at, you you really can't, can't trace that directly back to him. So basically, I, I think we, we've maybe seen this type of a concept in, in sitcoms and other movies. So uh, this is just one I made up off the top of my head. So the mafia wants to set up a money laundering operation. Uh, and so they set up a storefront and in the back they're doing their nefarious deeds. Uh, and then they hire this uh, very uh, naive, sincere, maybe Boy Scoutish kind of guy to, to run an, an, like an ice cream parlor or something out in front. So people are coming in and out and buying ice cream. Uh, and then this person thinks he's just doing a great job while uh, right under his nose, there is uh, organized crime issues going on. 
So without them even knowing about it. So he's he's being he's being cynically used by the mafia people to help accomplish their their evil goals by while well, all the time he thinks he's selling uh, merely selling ice cream to people. So uh, it, let's point out that uh, that there are many smart, educated, and caring people among the ranks of useful idiots. And once again, I'm talking more about the concept than, than real people. We'll kind of let you maybe fill in some of those blanks with that. Uh, and yet, uh, it, it's not that people are truly idiots, is that the, the, the point of them being cynically used by people to uh, accomplish bad goals while they think they're, try they're merely accomplishing something good. So let, let's take a look at some of the his, some historical examples. So I think Marx and Lenin, uh, back in the uh, the days of the Soviet regime, uh, the revolution was in 1917 and and kind of was getting going off and, and running in in the 1920s. And so there were uh, there were people even as communism and uh, that that kind of totalitarian controlling state was being established. There were people that would go over there, uh, and then in the 30s, some of the New Dealers. Um, uh, were people that had gone over there and were very enamored by all of the organization. And I think, as we mentioned, that uh, some people are, are envious of China about uh, how efficiently they get things done and they don't have to do all this messy uh, voting on things. They can just decide on what's going to be good and do it. So there were, uh, there were some, I think, useful idiots there that, that came back and, and really painted too rosy a picture of that. Uh, here and maybe allowed some of the New Deal policies that smacked of that to to get put into place. Uh, now, the the according to Wikipedia, uh, the term was originally used during the Cold War. Um, uh, later on in the uh, in in the forties and fifties to describe people who were non communists uh, who were deemed to be susceptible to communist propaganda and manipulation. So it's some of that same thing I was just describing, that people would uh, kind of uh, see the staged things and the very carefully controlled uh, things that people would show them about commun the communist regime and would come back and report glowingly on that uh, while not realizing all of the uh, awful things going on with the gulags and the, uh, the, the unity coming at the point of a gun. Uh, another example that I've been intrigued by, and this is how one of our uh, former presidents uh, was uh, decided not to be taken in and become a useful idiot, uh, Calvin Coolidge. And uh, just as an aside, very interesting, I'm, I'm coming to view him as one of our, uh, our, our lesser appreciated presidents and, and one of the... Uh, the, one of the best presidents is somebody that shrank the size of government and really uh, stuck to some of our federalist uh, principles. Uh, I came across a uh, a list of uh, of, the, of the ten worst presidents, and in, in the eyes of I believe it was the Huffington Post, uh, Calvin Coolidge was amongst them, among uh, uh, you know, along with Ronald Reagan, and of course we all knew who was the number one worst president. Uh, but uh, anyway, Calvin Coolidge, I read a, a very good biography about him. And Coolidge, uh, no matter what you think of him as a president, was uh, very involved as the governor of Massachusetts and in other offices um, with, uh, with organized labor. He was famous for helping settle a Boston police strike and other things. So uh, Coolidge, uh, in another in another situation, in another place, sought to help resolve a strike 
But when he proposed a reasonable solution to that strike, he realized that uh, that they weren't really interested in the solution; that they were just in- interested in uh, in 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 the strike itself. So his quote was he he was dismayed by the violence and the cynicism of the strikers. So and here here was his conclusion, and here was the reason he decided to distance himself from the organized labor movement and what was uh, he saw as, as was beyond. He wrote this in a letter to his stepmother. He said the leaders there are socialists and anarchists. They don't want anybody to work for wages. The trouble is not about the amount of the wages. It's a small attempt to destroy all authority. And so I think that that really points out that we really need to dig down as much as we want to care uh, about the rights of workers and we need to stand up for the rights of workers. We also have to realize that a lot of organized labor does not really have the good of the workers at hand. It's about power and money. And uh, I'm sad to say I noticed that even in the teachers union that I was a part of for a long time. And I think that that's pretty well documented uh, and, and still pretty uh, pretty much uh, in, in in effect these days. But without saying more of that, that I, I, I admired him and that, that I've really thought about how can I deal with real problems without, uh, you know, getting into a relationship with people whose goals are completely different from mine. Uh, another thing came out of a, a book that I read about uh, in as, as communist China, as the, the, the battle for communist China was taking place, that um, there were journalists that went over there. And, and probably the most famous one is a man named Edgar Snow. And it's pretty, um, uh, he, he's pretty uh, well known as somebody that came back and gave these glowing reports about what was going on in communist China, all the while, uh, you know, Mao was on uh, on the march and uh, once again was was seeking to uh, promote unity at the point of a gun and uh, many, many deaths taking place even there. Now let's talk about some current examples. And I think the first one I can think of is people who are are taken in by the whole uh, Davos and the World Economic Forum uh, business. And and that Davos meeting over in Switzerland, I think, is a real heady place. A lot of rich and famous people, Bill Gates and and you know Klaus Schwab and George Soros and and even other people who are really uh, some of them I think really care about real issues. Uh, are there, and yet I think it's pretty well documented that the the globalist uh, business of the World Economic Forum, the idea of uh, of taking local control uh, out of the out of the picture, of trying to take over segments of society. Uh, all of these things are not places that are going to end up well for the United States or or for the world under that under totalitarian things. They're going to lead uh, to the the whole uh, you know peace and unity at the point of a gun, uh, not through reason, dialogue, and the the will of the people. So I, I've been dismayed that uh, there's even been uh, some evangelical pastors and leaders that have gone to that conference. And uh, and I'm just afraid I've kind of been been taken in by that one prominent Southern California pastor whose name a lot of us would recognize. I'm I'm pretty concerned about that. Another example is just the whole COVID thing that that people who truly care about loving people's neighbors and not wanting to pass COVID along have really gone along with when you look at the 
at the at the big picture the the effectiveness of of masks and we can talk you know we could argue about vaccines a lot and but the the, the lockdowns things that have been really proven to be be not effective and all these things that we were urged to go along with and and people were shut down uh for for um for being in favor of uh, really have not uh, ended up looking that they did any good. And yet there's still people that are trying to, to maintain those things. Now, uh, here's another one. Uh, and this points out, this is the last one of my examples here, but this points out how it's really easy to point fingers. Well, uh, guess who has had a book written about him as being a useful idiot? And here, here's how uh the this uh, the 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 subtitle is so the useful idiot how this person and i'll tell you in a second killed the republican party with racism and the rest of us with coronavirus so there's a book out about how donald trump has been a useful idiot and so i suppose it all depends on your perspective um and uh, there are a lot of us that uh, that feel like as much as we don't like some of his tactics and the way he dealt with people, that uh, his net effect on the country was anything but uh, was anything but negative and was was quite positive when you look at it through a certain lens. All right, uh, after the lightning round uh, and good news, we'll come back and kind of talk about how we might avoid being this kind of a useful idiot. But we'll take a well-deserved break right now. I'm back for our lightning round and uh, good news, which once again are kind of combined together. And uh, I just want to talk for a second about uh, Elon Musk completing the deal to buy Twitter. And I think uh, that it's a, a, a real coup for, for free, free speech. You can tell uh, about the effectiveness sometimes of, uh, of something by the people who are screaming about it. I think a lot of people who are used to the the, the big uh, uh, internet uh, companies, social media companies, uh, fa- favoring their their position and uh, and canceling a lot of things that they uh, that they just don't happen to agree with, and people that they don't happen to agree with. Uh, are are really unhappy about this because the 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 playing field has been unlevel, and uh, free speech is one of our most precious gifts that we have. And free speech, uh, the the purpose of it is that we're not going to like it, and that we're it can be offensive, and it's real tempting to think about how the corrective for that is to try to limit it. But who who's going to fact check the fact checkers? Who, how do we know that they're right? That everybody has that perspective. And so as neat as that might be and as, as, uh, as, as smug as we might feel about our, our, our opinion about what, what things are inappropriate and, and what fact checkers say about things, uh, that, that it, it, it's not the way to do it. The, the best corrective is to have maximum free speech and to, uh, to let the truth set us free and to be able to hammer that out, to be able to discuss it. Uh, we, I think it's important for us to encourage one another to, to police ourselves 
and to try to develop that kind of character and that kind of virtue that uh, we talked about is also important to our republic. But to shut down free speech, that is the stuff of totalitarianism. And uh, I think anybody, any, Amer- any American of goodwill, no matter of what political stripe, needs to get behind that. So I applaud Elon Musk. I hope that uh, he uh, succeeds with that and that it is restored to a more uh, uh, even-handed free speech platform. And uh, let's let the truth set us free. Um, our quote of the week is going to be uh, by Samuel Adams. But I, I, I saw another quote as I was searching that, that speaks to this issue. So Samuel Adams said, No people will tamely surrender their liberties, nor can any be easily subdued when knowledge is diffused and virtue is preserved. So those are the two things I just talked about. Free speech means knowledge is diffused. And it's not just knowledge that uh, that you have because you're a PhD or because you think you're a fact checker or something like that. That is the free exchange of ideas. And how many different ideas throughout the years... Uh, people have fought against the system. People have derided them, called them stupid, and all of a sudden, oh, now it's it's uh, it it's established fact what they were saying that people were naysaying about. I could go on for a lot of long for a long time, but let me give that Samuel Adams quote one more time. No people will tamely surrender their liberties, nor can any people be easily subdued when knowledge is diffused and virtue is preserved. So let's make sure that we that, that we're able to not surrender our liberty or be subdued in in fighting for that, uh, because there is knowledge and once and once again there's virtue. Real quick, I want to tell you about a couple of books that I've read. They they kind of cover the same territory. One is a deeper dive than the other, and one is. Um, uh, helps really speak to this uh, issue. But first one uh, book, they're about, they're kind of correctives for um, what's called spiritual deconstruction. And so people who have uh, have been solid believers, maybe grown up, grown up in believing homes and have been taught the truth of the scripture, uh, all of a sudden they uh, get uh, sit under the teaching of uh, of, a, of a false teacher who's very attractive, who just gradually uh, uh, questions their faith and because they don't know the scriptures well enough are taken in by this. So the first one is called Another Gospel. It's written by Elisa Childers. We've talked about her and her podcast, a wonderful Christian sister, contemporary Christian musician. Uh, and this is the deeper dive. She really kind of goes into it from a theological perspective, tells of her journey of of, of kind of going in, of sitting under a, a pastor teacher that was uh, taking her and many in her church in this direction, and how through her knowledge of scripture and the Lord's help kind of came out of that called Another Gospel, A Lifelong Christian Seeks Truth in Response to Progressive truth, uh, Christianity. So that will be uh, a link to that will be up in the notes. Now, another one that I just read uh, while I was gone uh, over Easter, it's called Surviving Religion 101 by Michael J. Kruger. Letters to a Christian Student on Keeping the Faith in College. So this talks to something that uh, Charlie Kirk referred to as as early intervention to help uh, keep people from deconstructing by giving them good arguments against what the, the deconstructors are saying. So this is written by a pastor and theologian. Uh, and there are a series of letters to his daughter, actually, as she went off to college at the undergraduate institution that he graduated from. And uh, this addresses uh, virtually all of the arguments that Elisa Children's talks about in depth, but it's in a way that, uh, that, that tells 
the, the what they might be hearing from some of their their uh, their atheist or non-believing uh, professors in college in religion classes and other uh, places uh, that might tear them across, uh, tear them apart, and cause them to question. But then it gives some really good, uh, even-handed, very you know, very unemotional in all the best ways. Uh, but but arguments as to why that is not necessarily so if we really understand God's word for what it is. And I, I'm going to be sending a lot of the several of these books to people in my life who I just want to share the gospel. I'm I'm concerned that they may be going down this path or that these are some of the things that have kept them from accepting the gospel. And uh, I, I think they'll be good things. So that's Surviving Religion 101 by Markel J. Kruger. After this break, we'll talk about how to avoid being a useful idiot. Be right back. Back to the Good Fight podcast and how not to be a useful idiot. So I, I've got five things I'd like to suggest, the uh, ways that we can avoid uh, being in that place where we are actually uh, working at cross purposes uh, at, at, with what we really want to do. And it, it's, it's, not a, uh, it's not a perfect thing or a cut and dried thing, but I really do think that, that we can fall into that. And this uh, is possibly, and it would be a good way to, uh, to do. So consider these five things. Number one, and most importantly, immerse and marinate yourself in Scripture, the whole counsel of Scripture. So, so in other words, have your theology, your history, and your principles in order in order to be able to determine what is the right side to be on, what group to ally yourself with. Uh, and, and so that whole counsel of Scripture must be our foundation, followed by a knowledge of history and true scientific and intellectual inquiry. So those things, if they really are true, and at the end of the day, will not be in conflict with one another. And once again, knowing that whole counsel of Scripture, I don't mean proof text. I don't mean, yeah, I read the Bible a little bit of it once once uh, a long time ago, and now I read other stuff. But that whole counsel of Scripture is so important. And I, I'm going to say it again. I'm so glad that I've been on this uh, read read the Bible through every year uh, thing for my, my third trip this year. It's, it's, it's so rewarding, and I would encourage you in that. Number two. Realize that that there's not going to be any perfect situation. That there are all, there's always a balance. There are always trade-offs, and that's why the idea of the scripture and history and these principles and priorities uh, have have got to be in place in our minds to help us filter these things. Because there's so many things that that look good and feel good on the surface, and yet when you dig down a little bit, they are they are exactly the opposite of what we really would want to have happen and what uh, uh, might be a, a godly way to deal with things. So uh, here, here are uh, a, a couple of things underneath that. So make sure that when you're establishing this, you think before you feel. Uh, for, uh, for us as Americans right now, I would just really encourage us that we have to value our freedom over our convenience and safety. 
We've got to think about that. Our liberty is our most precious um, thing that we have, our blessing as Americans, and we have to understand how important that is. Uh, an example is that, that these trade-offs in terms of COVID, uh, do you do lockdowns or do you consider the effect on the, on the economy, g given all the things considered? Of course, public health people are going to want to think about uh, minimizing uh, deaths and sickness. We have to think about that. But a big picture has to look at other considerations. Uh, do you close the schools completely or, and go online? Or do you consider the developmental consequences based on the risks uh, to that particular age and demographic? Uh, do you mandate vaccines and masks and things like that? Or do you, as Dr. Robert Malone has, has said, do you, uh, th that where there is risk, there needs to be choice and to be aware of those risks and to trust people to make choices and be accountable for those choices. Another thing is energy policy. Uh, climate change is not our biggest issue by a long shot. Uh, we can be all for energy independence and, and drilling for oil and, and using the natural gas that God's blessed us with um, and still be in favor of cleaner, more market-driven changes uh, phased in over the long term. And it's amazing how much we've done in that, uh, in that area. Uh, that, that we are definitely in a battle, that there's no such thing as a non-combatant. We have to think, we have to pray, and then we have to pick a side. And uh, our, our politics and public policy should flow downhill from our theology and knowledge and the application of Scripture. So I just commend that. Number three, always seek to identify the underlying motives and goals uh, of a cause or a movement or something that you want to, want to get into. Don't get sucked into working against the big things you believe in just because of some lower order issue feels like it's being better served. We have to really think through our, our priorities. So, you know, w uh, like whether it's Trump running or someone else in 2024, again, I have to say, I hope it's somebody better. We need a fighter. We need somebody who's able to articulate a way forward and who has the courage to, uh, to, to follow through on that and to do what he says. And like it or not, in a lot of ways, Donald Trump really sought to do exactly what he said he was going to do. And I think it really serves him poorly just to, to play the race card and talk about his personality without also talking about some of the real things and real issues that he addressed really well. Uh, number four, uh, that even if you tend to be a tender-hearted, um, uh, understanding person, Understand that dealing with things on a macro level, on a big picture uh, level, requires a big picture approach. Use your mind, even though you're a tender-hearted person, I'm not saying a bleeding heart, because <laughs> that's another derogatory term, a bleeding heart liberal. Uh, but if you're a tender-hearted person, God has gifted you with that, but you've got to use your mind to determine what side you really need to, to ally with. Uh, affirm those who are called to make the hard, big-picture choices. And even if you disagree with some of those choices or disagree with them, some of the things about it, understand that those things might be necessary or might be necessary um, uh, things to have to deal with in order to accomplish the big-picture things that need to happen. Uh, and that, that um, uh, there, there are inevitable downsides of any necessary course of action, no matter what it is. And uh, arguably, we're seeing a lot of downsides of the current administration uh, that we didn't see before. Finally, 
Calling somebody a useful idiot can be really easy mud to pick up and sling at somebody. Uh, whether it's uh, that's why I've been really careful not to name names uh, of anybody currently uh, in this. Uh, I've got some things in mind and people, but I don't like that. I don't want to call a person an idiot. Um, but the, if you have some of that mud dripping off you, if somebody is kind of is kind of uh, flinging that at you, like we talked about the the book calling Trump the useful idiot, uh, and people might accuse us of that then uh, we need to consider the source. Who is it that's telling us that? Is it a credible source? Pray that God will reveal and help us adjust anything in our behavior or thinking that he might want us to adjust and then proceed as uh, we feel God would have us do that. After all, it's our goal as Christ followers to please him in everything, even that if that means displeasing everybody else. So hopefully some of this has been helpful. helpful. We'll be back in a second with our conclusion and our quote of the week uh, once again from Samuel Adams. going to conclude quickly our segment here, our Good Fight podcast episode uh, regarding the useful idiot. I hope some of the stuff I've shared has been helpful. Uh, once again, I don't recommend slinging that term around uh, to people, especially to their faces. I think it's more something that maybe it would be good for us to think about ourselves and examine ourselves that we don't uh, get caught up in something where ultimately by seeking to, to do something that we feel is good on one level, we end up uh, uh, harming things on a lot greater level and maybe displeasing the Lord uh, and his purposes in, in what we do. So uh, here is uh, the quote from John Adams. And again, I think his quote points out some of these, these decisions that we have to make in terms of priorities in order to make sure that we, we use our mind to end up on, on what ends up being the right side. Uh, it sounds like here he was talking to a group of people. But, uh, and, I, and I'm a, a adjusting his quote a little bit here uh, to just make it more understandable. He says, if you love wealth better than liberty. If you love the tranquility of servitude better than the animating contest of freedom, then go home from us in peace. We ask not your counsels or your arms. Crouch down and lick the hands which feed you. May your chains set lightly upon you. Samuel Adams. So I'm going to kind of go through it again and make a couple of comments. So if you love wealth better than liberty, so there's there's a, a dichotomy. P- people were questioning, uh, oh, what's all this fuss about fighting the British? Uh, it's going to be a lot easier and I'm going to be a lot better off and maybe a lot wealthier if I just kind of go with the flow. So he answers that if you uh, by going on. Do you love the tranquility of servitude, or 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 slavery, or uh, being under uh, under under tyranny? Uh, if you love that better than the animating contest of freedom, I love those words. The animating contest of freedom. How exciting! Again, freedom is not safe, and I would just add, uh, we need to value our freedom over our safety and convenience. 
Then he says, going on with Samuel Adams, go home from us in peace. We ask not your counsels or your arms. So we don't need your input and we don't need your help or your or financial help. So, and here's kind of a stinging thing. Well, go ahead and crouch down and lick the hands which feed you. Go ahead and, and praise the government that's going to send you that uh, that guaranteed minimum income check or your stimulus check or is going to hand out benefits or try to secure rights for you that really, uh, or try to grant you rights that, that God has granted you and and, uh, the, and and then be able to take them away. So, uh, and then uh, a very magnanimous thing, may your chains set lightly upon you that you're going to be end up in, end up being in servitude along with all the rest of this if it doesn't work out. And we don't want that for our fellow countrymen. Uh, and and as, as we work for the sake of our children and our grandchildren, those of us of my generation, uh, young people, as you try to work for the good of your generation, it's important to speak up and think and grapple through these things. And I hope that this little effort of mine uh, here has been uh, has been helpful. So God bless all of you. Keep up the good fight. Please email us at uh, goodfight71 at gmail.com with any comments. If you're on a platform, please like it. Give us a positive review. Tell your friends. Forward things. Uh, I'll have that email out uh, with the, the resources. It'll also be up on the Facebook page. Uh, let me know if you'd like me to add you to that email page uh, with the resource, and I'll be glad to. There's quite a few of them this week. So God bless you, love you, and we'll uh, look forward to being back with Denver. And uh, uh, if he survives his finals week, which I know he will, in good, in good stead. So God bless you all, and thank you. Bye-bye.